Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Good to be in the house of the Lord again. Amen? Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you guys all for coming and joining me in my little house church here in McKinney, Texas. And thank you guys all for coming to SoundCloud and all over the world. God bless you. Uh, welcome back, everyone, I should say. I'm sorry I didn't post a sermon for you last week on, online, but I was on vacation. It's good to be back, though, and praise God everything went safe and went well, and we're refreshed, and that's always good, and it's back to be teaching the Word of God again. So if you guys uh, want to get with me with a word of prayer real quick first before we start our service, I would surely appreciate it and ask the Lord to bless the service. I studied over vacation so we could have a, a new a new section of Scripture to study today, so praise be to God. Join me in a word, please. Thank you. Lord, we uh, thank you, Lord, for bringing us back, Lord God, to this place, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, Lord, to listen to this message, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word brings life. Lord, you give the life, but you told us how to get the life through your word. So it's like a circular effect, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we have your word to, to go by and to live by and to seek you by and to know you by. And we shouldn't love the word, Lord, but we should love the one that the word tells us about, Lord, which is you which is Jesus Christ, which is eternal life in you. So, Lord, we thank you for all these wonderful things that you've given us, Lord, and your guidance every day, Lord, and your presence that fills our lives every day. I just ask, Lord God, that you'd help us to understand your word today. Help us to understand the things which John says to us today in 1 John chapter 2. We ask that you would speak clearly to us, Lord, and if there's changes that need to be made in our lives according to what John is saying, Lord, here, that we would make them, or Lord, if we're on course and where we should be, Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened in that, Lord. But Lord, I just pray that we would have open hearts to hear what you have to tell us today. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. And Lord, may our being here today and being online and on the SoundCloud broadcast, Lord, may it not bring me or Gospel Saving Church any glory, Lord. May it just bring you glory and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if you guys want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 24 through 29, and I'm going to read them, but not really thoughts from last week's message, because I don't have a last week's message, of course, but I have a, some, I want to bring us back up to speed of where we were two weeks ago when we studied that section of Scripture, and that title of that message was, Jesus is the Christ. And just a few words on the message with some recap just to bring us up to speed to where we are today. So two weeks ago, we studied John's foolproof ways to be able to spot a little a antichrist or what also Jesus would call a false prophet or John also said that a the false prophet, little a antichrist, was a liar according to the Christian faith. Those two foolproof ways were number one, People, the, the little Antichrist, they'll deny that Jesus is the Christ. And remember, that was denying that he was the only way to heaven. He was God's only propitiation for our sins. And that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said of himself. I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the way, then the truth, and the life. And yet these little Antichrists deny that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And number two, they deny the Father and the Son. So, Know Jesus Christ as God's Son and God, Jesus Christ's Father, of course. That was our section, 1 John 2, 
22. That was the just, though, of everything that John told us in our last section of Scripture. And, of course, that means that anyone who either believes, professes, or teaches these things does so against the teachings of Christ, which makes them a little a antichrist, or a liar, or according to the Christian faith, or a false prophet against the Christian faith. Because, as I said, Jesus Christ taught that he was the Christ, only way to heaven, God's only provision for sin, and God's only begotten Son. So that's the surmise, or the just, of everything that we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, Just a few words on what John said. I have to say this. I also said this in that message, and you could hear it if you want. You go back to that message. Jesus is the Christ. But I have this to say, just as some words. If you believe yourself a Christian... And so that would mean that you believe yourself to be saved and go into heaven when you die. But you believe, profess, teach either one of these antichrist beliefs so that Jesus Christ is not the only way to heaven or not God's only begotten son. Then the Bible says that you're not saved because being a Christian and saved means that you believe and profess Jesus Christ as God's Son and the Christ, and you follow His teachings and you follow His way of life. You can't be for Him, ladies and gentlemen, and profess things that go against His teachings and still be considered by Him to be for Him. It's just an oxymoron. You can't believe and profess things against something that someone that you love or say you follow teaches and still be on their side and still be all on what we call today on the same page. The very word antichrist and the word liar, which John used in the scripture, means person against Christ and not for him. Jesus Christ even made it clear that a person is either for him or against him, and there's no in between. Too many people I've met in America consider themselves Christians, but also believe and profess antichrist beliefs which makes them deceived according to what John said and not really Christians and saved and on their way to heaven or heaven bound. If this is you, ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me. According to what John John taught, 1 John chapter 2, uh, if you, and you don't believe and profess Jesus as the Christ, Savior of the whole world, which means all people, and the only way that anyone is going to be saved and going to heaven and that there's no other way to salvation, that means you're not, you can't be saved if you're a Muslim but by the Muslim way. can't be saved if you're a Buddhist by the Buddhist way. You can't be saved if you're a good person. If you're a good person, that person way. You can be saved out of those false things by Jesus Christ, but you cannot be saved as a Muslim following the Muslim way. And, and if you think that anybody is, then that is an antichrist teaching. And you cannot be a follower of Christ if you believe and profess an anti-Christ teaching. Please, you need to wake up because you're an anti-Christ yourself. The Bible says, that's what John said, that you're a little antichrist if you believe and profess these things. And you need to turn your life to Jesus because he's the only Savior of the world. I promise you that. He is the only Savior of the world. There is no other. Can't save yourself. Buddha can't save you. You know, Vishnu can't save you. Krishna can't save you. Uh, uh, Allah can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. Only Jesus Christ, the one of the Bible, the Savior of the world, He's the only one that can save you. And you have to go through Him and follow Him in order to be saved. All right. 
Well, praise God, let's switch gears and get on to our new sermon for today, shall we? Our new title of our new sermon is Only If You Continue to Abide. And then you can finish it out as I continue teaching the sermon. But the title again, Only If You Continue to Abide. 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 29. I'm going to read them. You can follow along, or you can just listen along if you like, or you can read along with me. Verse 24, John writes this. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you considering, or concerning excuse me, those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you, you uh, teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, remembering what John just warned these Christians of, what, what was it? I mean, I just talked about it. John just warned these Christians of the false A anti, the little, the little A antichrist or the false prophet, these beliefs and teachings that Jesus was not the Christ, so not the only way to heaven and not God's only begotten son, right? The Christ. John writes the first part of verse 24 and he says this, therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. So what did he say? He just said there, So let what you heard or let what you were taught from the beginning of knowing us, right, about Jesus Christ, because that's what they did. John and the disciples came to these people and they preached to them Jesus, the Christ, right? Uh, He said, let what you heard or were taught from knowing us be what you continue to believe. Or you could say this. Let what we, the disciples, have taught you about Jesus Christ from the beginning of our relationship with you be what you continue to believe in and live out. So let what you've learned from us continue to be what you live by and live in and continue to believe. Notice this is a command given by John to Christians in light of the fact that many antichrists had come. John also confirms this in verse 26. So this whole section of scripture is written in light of what John just taught us about the false teachers, about the little antichrists that are going to come and teach us things against God's word. Verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So this whole section, this whole section is John's like, hey, because of these people, that are going to try to deceive you and bring you away from Jesus Christ, hey, stay focused, stay in, stay true to what we taught you concerning Jesus. 
Why would John write this section of scripture in light of these little a antichrists or these false prophets or these liars according to the faith? Well, remember what Jesus wrote to us or said to us in Matthew 24, verse 11. He says, then many false prophets will arise and they'll deceive many. So Jesus said it, many false prophets, little a antichrists had come then. And he said they were going to continue coming, and these people have tried, and they've really succeeded in deceiving many people and bringing many people away from him. John's writing this because he's like, hey guys, this, these people are coming, they're going to teach you things against, but you really need to stay focused on what we taught you, and you really need to keep abiding in this. John gave this command because a Christian can lose their way and be deceived if they're not careful to continue abiding in Jesus, the Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the only way to heaven. And John knew, and I know today, that the only way a Christian can stay saved and we could stay away from deception is by continuing to abide, or abide means to live under or live in what in Jesus Christ and what he taught us and believe in and continuing to believe and live out that Jesus is the Christ and God's only son and fully trust him as a little child, of course. What is the biggest ways, what, what is, I should say, what is the, one of the biggest ways to do this? What's one of the biggest ways to stay abiding in his teachings and in him that we have? Well, keeping our minds and hearts stayed in the written word of God day in and day out. Because the only way you don't get deceived is by knowing the truth very well. The written word of God is the main way a person hears God. The the written word of God is the main way a person stays in God's truths and away from being deceived. In our world, it's said this. There's a group of people, and they work for the Federal Reserve, I believe. And what their job entails, their whole job entails on looking for counterfeit bills. That's their whole job. And when they find counterfeit bills, of course, you know, they want to find out how they were made and whatnot. Well, does anybody know, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, do you know how they look for counterfeit bills? Maybe you don't, I'll tell you. They study the real bills on a regular or daily basis so that they're so conditioned to seeing a real dollar bill or a real $100 bill or a real $50 bill that when a counterfeit bill comes across their path, they can tell very quickly that it's a fake. Their eyes and their brains are so studied on that real dollar bill or real $50 bill or real $100 bill that when a fake one comes across, they're like, oh, well, wait a minute, this doesn't look this doesn't look right. Look, the majority look like this. And then they grab one and then they grab one and they go, oh, yep, see, this is the difference. But the only way they could tell that that fake bill was a fake bill was because they had their minds and their, their just whole heart set on what a real bill looks like. This parallel works uh, perfectly for Christians in the spiritual sense. We don't have Jesus Christ still speaking to us like he did in the flesh with his disciples, right? We don't have him walking in the flesh on the earth right now. He's, he's, He's in a spiritual flesh kind of in heaven. But what we do have, we have God's written word. We have his written word to study, to stay abiding in his truths and away from the deceptions of those that will come and are here now with deceptive teachings about him. And if you don't think, well, if you think to yourself, man, Pastor Ed, I've been a Christian for 20 years. 
I've been a Christian for 10 years. And you know, nobody's going to teach me. And I've been reading the Bible for 20 years. Well, I know the Bible in and out. I ask you today, do you think you know the Bible better than Jesus, the Christ? Do you think you know the Bible? I don't think I know the Bible better than him. The Bible says of him, he is the word, right? The word's got to know the word. I'm not the word. I'm just the guy that studies the word, right? Well, if you, then you say, then say, oh, say, what's your point? Well, I'll say this. Satan came in the wilderness when Jesus was in the wilderness before he was baptized or after he was baptized by John and Satan tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights and he tempted him with what? The word. If you are God's son, you know, throw yourself off because the word says he'll send his angels to guide you. He'll send his angels to, to save you, to protect you. Jesus is all, but the word says you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And if Satan, ladies and gentlemen, tried to test the word, God in the flesh, with the word of God, or on the word of God, or concerning the word of God, then you better believe he'll try to, to tempt you or test you or deceive you and me. I'm not putting myself out of the equation here. He'll try to deceive us all, and he has deceived many, and he's still trying to deceive us every day. I see different ways in which the devil's trying to deceive me on God's word all the time. I'm spiritually discerned like that, though. So we need to be careful. We need to think, not be so prideful. I, God, Satan can never deceive me. I, I've been studying the word for 20. No, you need to study it more. Or you need to keep your eyes anymore. Or if you do study it enough, well, then you keep better, get better keep studying enough because Satan's always right there. Hey, hey, bro, hey, brother or sister, hey, oh, did you know? Oh, yeah, you can do that sin. Oh, yeah, oh, God's okay with that. Oh, you're, no, 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 better be careful. So Christians, it's imperative that we continue to stay studied in God's word daily and that we continue to abide in what Christ taught about himself and what and who he said he was or is and, and the ways he said to live and not ever compromise or diminish those beliefs or those ways that we follow him and the ways that his word says to follow him in any way at all. These false prophets, these little a antichrists have come. They're here now and they're going to continue to come. And they're always going to be trying to twist and change the truths of who Jesus Christ really is and of what the Bible says about him. I mean, just like I talked about two weeks ago, look at the Catholic Church, the largest Christian, so-called Christian denomination in the world, and yet they teach that Jesus is not the Christ. But they don't just come right out and say it all the time, but it's in their underlying teachings teachings. You can get to heaven another way if you've never heard of the Catholic Church and if you've never heard of Jesus by being a good person. And we already read that over last week. And, th- and th- that's how subtle the devil worked. The devil worked in that church. I'm sure that church was on target at one time in their lives. I'm sure that church was on target one time in their, in their past. But now anymore, they're not, on t- they're not on track. They're off track. And the devil moved in and he crept in in certain ways with what? Just you know, slight little changes to the word. I mean, we still say that Jesus is, you know, a way to heaven. You know, but, but you know, a little twist, a little change here. And then look where they are now. So the devil's always trying, guys. The devil's always trying to deceive us. He's always trying to lead people away from Jesus, the Christ, or his followings, and to bring us to hell. And those of us that have been saved must consider Continue to study the Word of God and stand on and abide in Christ Jesus himself and the truths that he taught about himself and those the Bible taught about him until we die, as John 
road here. And I'll add, not only do we need to believe and profess these things, but we need to stand up and proclaim them boldly. And we need to proclaim boldly Jesus as the Christ. Boldly that Jesus is God's only son. Boldly the ways that Jesus said to live and the ways that Jesus said to come to him. So that what? So that others can have a chance to come to God. So that others can have a chance to know Jesus Christ. For the only reason we know about Jesus, the Christ, is because somebody had the guts to tell us when we were unbelievers, when we were unsaved, how to be saved. Somebody told us. We didn't maybe even like it. Like me, I didn't even like it. But they told us. And even though we didn't like it, and we heard it and seeds were planted. So we need to stand up and keep saying these things and not just back down because only, as I said earlier, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God of the Bible, can save people and not another one, not you, not, not, not any other religious God, nothing. Only Christ, period, the end. So John starts out there in verse 24 and again in verse 26 by giving this command to these Christians to let the truth of Christ abide in them which they had heard in the beginning. In light of the little a antichrist and the little false prophets and all that that, that had come, uh, but this is not the only time that we see this command given in Scripture. Look at what Paul says to do two different parties in his writings and his epistles. Second Thessalonians two fifteen, Paul writes, "Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle." Same thing. Hey, the things we've taught you about Jesus. Keep doing those things. Keep believing those things. Keep those traditions which we have taught you. Again, Paul, 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14. Timothy was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. So by telling Timothy, he was really telling the church in Ephesus as well. But evil men, he kind of says the same thing that John's writing here. But evil men and impostors, you say little antichrist, will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, talking to Timothy and then the whole church in Ephesus, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. Hey, you know we're of God? You know we're of Christ? You know what we've taught you? Follow and keep following and keep doing and keep believing those things which we taught you. So when the Bible repeats itself multiple times like John and Paul did in this matter, that means it's important. And that means that those that have really been saved that are listening to me today need to continue to abide in Christ Jesus and the correct biblical truths of him until we die. How important is it it to stay abiding in Christ and the correct biblical truths of him that he is the Christ, the God's only son and his teachings as a whole until we die? Look at the rest of verse 24. John starts out, if, that's an important if. Whenever you see an if in the Bible, it's always important, always throughout the whole Bible. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So John just said that if, and only if, that big if, the truths of Christ and who he is abide in you, and I will add, and you don't get deceived by a false prophet or a little antichrist or, or go astray, that only then will you abide or continue to abide in the Father and in the Son. And the Bible says that only those who abide in Jesus, the Christ, and in his teachings until death will be saved and have eternal life. Paul said the same thing in Colossians 1, 21 through 23. He says this, 
And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have been reconciled, or now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present your whole, your, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Christians, this is a biggie, one that we can't take lightly. John and Paul both said that our eternal destination is contingent on if we continue to abide in Christ and who he really is until we die. Jesus Christ was very clear on this idea as well. Look at a couple of things he said. Jesus, Matthew 24, 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Yeah, hey, we're saved. You got the truth. But hey, endure in the truth. Only those who endure in the truth shall be saved. Jesus again, Gospel of John, verses 5 through 6. Look at this. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So if we're abiding in Christ, we're bearing much fruit. We're going to touch on this later. For without me, you can do nothing. Listen to this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Now, people might say, well, Pastor Ed, that's not talking about people that are saved losing their salvation. That's just talking about, hey, it's an unbeliever and they don't, they don't abide, so he's going to send them to hell. Well, look what he says. Look at what he says deeper. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. Well, you can't be cast out unless you're in first, right? I can't cast you out of my house if you're not in my house first. You, hey, this guy was in my car and he was being a jerk and I decided to give him a ride. But you know what? He's being a jerk and I had to cast him out of my car. I wouldn't say, hey, man, that guy was a joke. I got to cast him out. Your next question would be, well, where'd you have to cast him out from? Oh, well, well he, was never in, he was never in me or with me. I just had to cast him out. You'd say, well, you're an idiot because you got, you got to be in somewhere. Somebody's got to be in with you before you can cast them out, right? You can't cast somebody out of your car if they're not in your car. So this is a Christian. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. This is somebody who was in him and he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Christians, too many people have misunderstood this idea in scripture because they want to feel securely saved. But really, a person's security for eternity is only supposed to come from Christ in an abiding relationship with and in Him and in nothing and in nowhere else. Oh, well, because I prayed a prayer. Oh, because I had been saved. Oh, yeah, because God gave me the Holy Spirit. Yes, okay, that's great. But we'll get to that later. But if you, can, if you stop abiding, if you stop abiding in Him, or as John said, He gave this command, if you stop believing that He is the Christ or he is the God, you know, God's only son, or you stop abiding in his teachings, he's going to be like that guy in my car that was a jerk, and I had to cast him out. Because only if we continue to abide in, in Jesus, the Christ, and who he said he is according to the written word and in his teachings, shall eternal life be ours. Which is exactly what John just says to Christians next, verse 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us, in light of, right, if we stay abiding, eternal life. Verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. He's saying, hey, 
John's recognizing, or I'll, let me finish it. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and, do not, and you do not need anybody to teach you. John was assured that these Christians that he was writing to were really saved. And at the time he wrote this, I'm, I'm guessing he knew that they were saved because guess what? They were probably bearing lots of good works for God's kingdom, which is what you know, Jesus just said at John 15. Hey, those that are in me, abiding in me, they're going to bear good fruit. So John just says here, hey, I know that you're saved. I'm, I'm seeing you do good things. Uh, go on verse 27. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. Hey, God's Holy Spirit that gave them new life teaches them. That's true. It teaches me. And if you're in Christ, God's anointing, His Holy Spirit, which is teaching you, is teaching you the truth too. And nothing that God's Holy Spirit is going to teach us is going to be a lie. I'll come back to that in a second. Ending verse 27. And he goes on to say, And just as it, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has taught you, you will abide in him. John's not saying here, hey, if you've been saved, you're going to go to the end, endure to the end permanently, and there's no escape of that. He's not saying that. He said here, it's if you continue and listen and obey the leading and anointing of God's Holy Spirit, you will abide in Christ. He says there, and just as it, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has taught you, if it's taught you and you let it keep, you let that anointing keep teaching you, you will continue to abide in Christ Jesus. God's word says that God leads his kids by his word and his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says as a whole, as long as a person stays submissive to God's Holy Spirit and his leading in their lives, they will continue to abide in Jesus Christ. Because John 16, 13 says one of the, one of the jobs of God's Holy Spirit is to lead his kids in all truths. But unfortunately, we can stop listening. Side note, God's Holy Spirit will never tell you anything that goes against God's word. That's a biggie. You know, I had a guy tell me at work a long time ago, oh, I don't have to go to church because God told me I don't have to. Well, that wasn't God's Holy Spirit. That wasn't God. God, the Bible says that Christians should be in fellowship and underneath a, a, a Christian body, a leader, a pastor, an elder, a deacon, which John and Paul both write about in their, or excuse me, Paul writes about in his epistles about a church structure. He didn't just say, eh, Christians get together and, you know, have an iced tea once in a while and talk about Christian things, and that's what I consider church. No, he said he described a church structure. Be in church. Anyway, God's Spirit will never tell you anything that goes against God's Word. If you think God's telling you something, and you're like, well, is, is that really God's Word? Am I really hearing God? Go to the Scripture. Go to the Word and look at the Word and say, is this really you, God? And look at that topic in the Bible. And if you see, well, yeah, that, that lines up with what God told me or what God tells me in His Word, then you know it's His Holy Spirit. But if you go in there, and, well, I, that, that Spirit, I just, I don't, God just said I don't have to go to church. Well, let me look in there. Oh, church. Well, there's church. Well, there's church everywhere. Oh, there's church and there's deacons. and Oh, you know what? That must not be God's Holy Spirit. Because that, that, that word just told me, don't go to church because I don't have to to be saved. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Anyway, moving on. Verse 28. Paul, John says this, And now, little children, he repeats it again, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, this is a big one. This is a big scripture. Now, if... 
continuing to abide in Jesus, the Christ, the only way to heaven and only begotten son and all his teachings wasn't spiritually and eternally important for a Christian to have eternal life. Why did John write verse 28? Let me read it again. And now little children abide in him. It's a command. Another command. Abide in him. That when he appears, you can have confidence and not be ashamed. Well, why, if I'm once I've been saved and I've always been saved, why, if I'm saved and, and abiding in him and continuing him doesn't matter, why would I be ashamed at his coming? Hey, if I've been saved, I no matter what I do, I'm going to be approved by God when he comes, right? No, John just said here that you can either have confidence or you can be ashamed before his coming. Let me translate this verse according to the verses that I've showed you today. What verse 28 really looks like is like this. And now little children, and we know that that's Christians, right? Because we know John's writing to Christians. He's not writing to unbelievers here. And now little children, Christians, abide in him. So what he just said, Christians continue to walk with Jesus the Christ, the only Savior of the world, God's only begotten Son, by faith. That's how we abide in Christ, is we abide by faith, continuing to have faith. Staying strong in following his teachings and not being deceived by those little antichrists that are coming. Because remember, this whole section of scripture is written in light of the fact that these little antichrists are coming with false teachings. Keep going, verse 28. That when he appears, we may have confidence. Notice there was only confidence if we continue to abide in him. And the rest of verse 28. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you do not continue to abide in Jesus the Christ and all that I just mentioned, then and you get deceived or you fall away from the faith or you fall away from him, then you will be ashamed at his coming. And being ashamed at his coming instead of confident leads me to think that a Christian will not this Christian who doesn't abide will not inherit eternal life. Why you might say. Look at what Christ says in Matthew chapter 25. Verses 14 through 30. I'm going to go through them quickly, and I'm going to highlight some points here. Jesus says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants. That's important. So the man traveling to the other country called his own servants. He didn't call another man's servants. He called his own servants, right? And he delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. So God knows our abilities and gives us talents according to our own abilities that we have, that he gave us. And immediately he went away on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made five other talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received the one went and dug a hole in the ground and he hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, starting out, the premise of this scripture is his own servants, right? These were God's own servants. And we know that God doesn't call the people that believe in, or the people that are following Satan. We know that God doesn't call them his servants, right? We know the people that are atheists that don't believe in God. God doesn't call them his own servants. And we know that God doesn't settle accounts with 
and he does settle accounts with everybody, but he all, we also know in Scripture he settles accounts with his children, and we know he settles accounts with the heathens too, and he, we know he, he sends the heathens to hell, and he gives his children eternal life. But yet here, his own service, we read about a little different thing. So verse 20 we read, So he had received the five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me the five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents before you, uh, besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful at a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So here we see that the one who was abiding in Christ, in God, made other talents. He gained more things. He worked and, you know, he, he gained things for God. You know, he did things for God. And, and by that, because of that, he, he gained more talents. Uh, verse 22, he also received the two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little thing, over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I'm sure when these guys were serving God and abiding in Christ, because we know, again, John 15, that only those abiding in Christ can, can, uh, can bear good fruit, right? So I'm sure they, as they were abiding, they were feeling pretty confident. Yeah, this is, this is great. I'm abiding. And when their Lord came back, he said, hey, well done. But look at the last. Then he would receive the one talent, his own servant, remember, and came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord said to him, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. This is his own servant now. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, we're talking about the coming of Christ, when he's going to reward the just and the unjust, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take that talent from him, he tells some, probably some angels with him or the uh, other servants that were faithful, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This is an unprofitable servant, one that did not continue to abide in Christ. He says this, Cast that unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus just told his servants who bore fruit for God's kingdom by multiplying their talents, so those who abided in him, according to John 15, 5, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Those two had awesome confidence when he came back. But the servant that didn't bear any fruit for God's kingdom didn't multiply their talents, wasn't abiding in Jesus Christ, wasn't bearing any fruit. John 15, 6, Jesus said, Cast that unprofitable servant out to the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Literally in that section, uh, these that Jesus talks about are classified as his own servants. God's own servants. And the Bible says only born-again people are considered by God to be his servants. And only the servants who bore fruit for God's kingdom so abided in Christ until he came back, or we could say to death because we may not live until he comes back, we're told, enter into the joy of your Lord. And I'm sure that the Christians there in Jesus Christ's parable, the ones that were bearing fruit, as I said earlier, 
I'm sure they had confidence. And the one that wasn't bearing fruit, well, he didn't have confidence deep down. People may say, oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. But deep down, they're concerned. Am I really? Am I really? Well, we'll talk on that later. And of course, we know that the Bible says all Christians fit into Jesus' parable as Jesus meant his teachings to be taken by all that would ever follow him. Look at the last verse, verse 29. If you know that he, Jesus Christ, is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. John says the same thing here that he did in verse 6 of this same chapter. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he, Jesus, walked. So you know that the person is really born of God in Christ, and I will add abiding in Christ, if they're living a lifestyle like he did, following God's word as Jesus Christ did. What does all that we read today mean for Christians today? What does it all mean? Christians, listen up. What does it mean for us? In the book of Revelation, the Bible gives a description of those who are with Christ Listen to Revelation 17, 14, and here really, really, really pounds this key that we've been talking about all day. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and we're talking about Jesus Christ there. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Did you notice what he was called, or what they were called, those with Christ? Called, chosen, and faithful. Or you could say those that are with him are called, and then you could say chosen and faithful. You, but, I, but I know called's a big thing, and I believe that, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Notice that the Bible there didn't just call those who were saved that were with him the called or the chosen, but that it adds the faithful. That's big. That's because there's no such thing as just the called or the elect that get to go to heaven because of God's unconditional election, because that's ridiculous. We don't ever read the words unconditional election in God's word ever. Biblically, we know these things, though. We have scriptures for these. Biblically, all people are called by God to be saved. John 12, 32, Jesus says, And I... If I'm lifted up from the earth, which we know he was, so he was an if, because that was an if, he had to be obedient to, and it was an if, he fulfilled the if. If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. And God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God desires all people to be saved, 2 Peter 3, 9. But even though God calls everybody, even though God wants to save everybody, even though God desires and longs for all people to have fellowship with him, Matthew twenty-two fourteen, 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. And that's what God's word says. But sadly, all people aren't going to be saved for he is just not their thing, they might say, or they just simply decide to fall away or reject him because of whatever reason that they may do that. They may fall away or reject him because, you know, the things of the world are so enticing or so alluring. But just because you are called of God and everybody I'm talking about now, saved and unsaved alike, and you, and you accept him doesn't automatically make you bound for heaven no matter what 
you do. If it did, John wouldn't have wrote this whole section of scripture saying, hey, in light of these evil people that are coming, abide. Christians, abide in light of them. Because you know what? They're going to come at you with deceiving teachings. And since they're going to come at you, I, you need to abide in what you heard from us from the beginning. For, I'll add this, only those who accept his calling to be saved are chosen. And only those who continue to be faithful to Jesus, the Christ, to continue to abide in him and love him all the days of their life after they are called and chosen and saved, get to go to heaven with God forever as only those who endure to the end will be saved. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. So what does it mean for a Christian to continue to abide in Jesus, the Christ, and endure in Jesus, the Christ, until the end? Well, Jesus told us in Luke chapter 9, he says this. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That means, denying yourself means making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Surrendering him and making him the Lord of your life. Deciding to live for him and deciding that he would be your Lord and that your sinful pleasures and your sinful flesh would not rule you anymore. That's what it means to deny self. Yourself is flesh. Yourself is I'm my Lord. He says deny self. Make me Lord. Get you off the throne of your own kingdom. Stop living for the sinful flesh and desires that you have and wake up and follow me. And he goes on to say, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow my teachings. Follow my ways. Imitate, become imitators of me. This is is salvation. This is where it happens. He follows it with verse 24. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So those who desire to save this life, be lords of their own lives in this world. Be the captain of their own ship. Be the one who drives their car and doesn't listen to any directions. Be the one who doesn't sit on the passenger seat, but be the one who drives their own paths. That they're going to lose their lives. What does it mean to, do, to lose your life after that? Well, you gain this one. Because you're your own Lord, so you're going to lose your eternal life. But he goes on to say, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Those who willfully give up control and being the ruler of their own life. You know what, Jesus? You take the wheel. I know it's fun because that's a song, but it's true. Jesus, you take, I'm going to sit in the passage and you, you drive me. I'm not in control no more. Jesus, here, I surrender to you. You, you Here, you take, the, you, you take the, the ship. It's your ship now. You, you do that. Those who willfully give up being the ruler or the lords of their own lives and those that surrender that lordship to Jesus, the Christ, will have eternal life. Of course, once a person comes to this point and becomes a true born-again person, as I and a few I know have been, we must stay there until either Jesus, the Christ, comes back or we die. To think anything else is absolutely elementary stupid. It really is. To think I can be saved and then, okay, now I've got that. 
And then to go out and, and, and to live contrary then to maybe the ways he taught. Or to, oh, he's not the only way to heaven. Ah, oh, you know, yeah, you know, maybe God has many sons. Well, maybe I'm God's son too because, you know, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm a great guy. Or whatever, to stop following his teachings, to stop abiding or to stop trusting in him for everything in your life. And then, but to still have all his promises and his rewards, this is foolishness. To think that you can come and get saved and then after you're saved, go away and live like you lived before and still be all right with God is absolutely elementary ridiculous. Even a son in his own father's house Ladies and gentlemen, would not have this. Even my own born son, if he started, he's born in my house, he'd always be my son. But if he does not abide under my rules, under my laws, under the things that I told him to do in my house, under loving me and in, in being my son in my house, I'll kick him out. I'd have to kick him out. If he didn't listen to me, if he didn't abide in what I told him, I'd have to kick him out of my house. And to think that God's kingdom would be any different would be absolutely foolish. Christians, believing he is the Christ, the only way anyone is saved, and only begotten Son of God is kind of just where we start. Abiding in Jesus, the Christ, trusting in him with faith, uh, of a little child, following his teachings, embodying the definition of a Christian, which is a little Christ. There, there's where we go to. There's where we, there's where we start really salvation, tr- putting our trust in him. How we keep going and how another part of it is denying ourselves. Keeping him Lord. Crucifying your flesh and its sinful passions daily. And living for God in the spiritual side of life. Uh, listen, we can't live in sin. You can't practice sin, God says, and still be okay with me. For all that practice sin, we know anybody that practices lawlessness, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, he'll cast away. He'll get rid of. The Bible calls a Christian to repentance, a daily walk of repentance, a daily walk of surrender, a daily walk of listening to him and abiding in him and letting him rule your life. So Hebrews 13, 6, ladies and gentlemen, must be what describes a person that's heaven-bound either to get saved or once you're saved. Paul writes this, But Christ is the Son over His own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So what does all this mean for you who consider yourself a Christian today? Are you abiding and enduring in Jesus the Christ today? Are you following him in his teachings? Are you surrendering to him today, every day? Are you denying your fleshly sinful desires and serving Jesus the Christ? And are you totally trusting in him with all your heart or are you not? Most all people who become a Christian and get saved start out really well. But then as time goes on and following Jesus, the Christ becomes hard because it does become very hard. They walk off the path and back to the practice of sin and stop really believing that he's the Christ or whatever to start listening to false teachers because of the pressures of those of the world who mock them for saying he's the only way to heaven and the list goes on. 
All people who really get saved really start out great. But few will end well. As many will take the path of destruction, while few will be saved. Where are you at with Jesus, the Christ, today? Are you abiding and enduring in Him? Or are you not? Only you and God really know this. If you're abiding and enduring in Him, then you're bearing good fruit, as John 15 told us, for Jesus Christ and God's kingdom. And if you're not, then you're not bearing good fruit for God's kingdom. And if you are bearing good fruit for God's kingdom, then down deep, you'll have this confidence that when He returns or or you die, He'll be approving of you. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. But likewise, if you're not bearing good fruit for God's kingdom, down deep, you will not have this confidence that when he returns or you die, he'll approve of you. Well, maybe, I hope, and that's not good, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says that if we're abiding in him, we will have that confidence. Do you have that confidence? If down deep, you know that he will not approve of you when you die or he comes back. Please come back to him or to him for the first time. Maybe you've never abided in Christ. Maybe you've never put your trust in Christ. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And then you'll know. You'll have the confidence. You'll have the assurance that when he returns, once you surrender to him, and once you stay surrendered to him, and once you continue to walk with him, you'll have the confidence that when he returns, he'll say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. If you are not there today, and you are, you've turned away, or you've never been there, God's love is amazing. He's calling me right now to call you to repentance. He still loves you even though you've forsaken Him. He still loves you even though you've walked away, even though you've made the garbage things of this world, you're God. He still loves you. He still wants you to be his. He still says, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He still says, come to me. So if you're not there, and you know right now that if you were to die, down deep I mean now, you can tell others as much as you, me, all you, all you want to my face, oh, I'm okay, I'm saved, yeah, I'm good with God. But down deep you know, down deep you know, the down deep that you don't share with other people, the down deep you know if you're really right or not, if you're really abiding or not, if you're really trusting in Him, if you're really following Him, if you're really still believing in Him, still have your faith in Him. And if you've lost it, down deep, come back. God still loves you. He's not done with you. He still loves you. And He still wants to save you. And He still wants to bring Him back to you again so that you inherit eternal life. So knowing God's love for you, there's only one choice. Turn and be loved again and accept the love again and be His again. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this message. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the truth. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Just ask today, Lord God, for all those that are abiding and enduring today, I pray, Lord God, that they will continue, that we... Lord, because I know I am, Lord. I pray we would continue. And we would continue to abide. And we continue to endure. And we continue to stand strong with you. God, until we die. Help us, Lord God, to remain faithful to you. 
to remain dependent on you and nothing else and nothing in this world. And Lord God, for those that are not, for those that have maybe turned away or those that are listening that have never been yours, I pray, Lord God, that they would surrender anew today and they would come again and they wouldn't be like that that, uh, person in the scripture that we read about in Matthew chapter 25 where they didn't really make any they weren't bearing any fruit or they had borne good fruit, but they really aren't now because Jesus said, really, if you're not continuing to, to bear fruit, what you had is going to be taken away from you. So, Lord, bring them back to you or bring them to you for the first time. Bring them to surrender. Please, Lord God, I pray they'd see your great love even today and fall on their knees right now and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've been wrong. I need you. Save me again. Here I am. Please, dear God, continue to draw all peoples to yourself. Continue to show them your love. Please come back soon, Lord God. We ask all these things and pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015 and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love him back by the way you live your life. God bless you and have a wonderful day.